1: It's a new time, a new place,
0: but these guys have done this before. I had no idea we were going to
1: draft blank Gap. Did your jaw just drop? Yeah, it did. It did. It did. It did. did you, <laughs> you okay. sense the silence? <laughs> I doubt Gene, Gene Smith
0: was on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, you never know, man. Gene Smith had a couple burner accounts out there. Yeah. You look at these media guys. These are the weakest people on earth.
1: Why do I think he's talking to me? And 245, Austin Lane. Are you listening
0: right now? It's Austin Lane. You're taking away my comfort
1: food in the most uncomfortable year of all time. It's Brent Marno. We call it a Minshew Monday here on Action Sports Shacks, but those are more crapshoot picks, man. I mean, you can get Towin Smith, and you can get, you know, (coughs) oh yeah. From Jacksonville to wherever you stream, watch, and listen. Welcome to the Brent and Austin Show. We've almost made it through week two here on the show. Brent and Austin Show on a Thursday. We'll take you live to a baseball game this morning. We're going to hit everything different. Maybe we go pickleballing at some point in time. Live look everywhere. Is where we want to go. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Jason Hamby, and good morning to everyone in Jacksonville and beyond. You could be watching this all over the world, so uh, hopefully you are. And uh, more outlets to get us coming soon as we continue to uh, get closer and closer to launching the actual stream part. Of uh, this uh, project, Action Sports Jacks 24 7. And uh, the easiest way to find us there will be the Action News Jacks Now app. So download it if you don't already have it, although we know many of you do. And you'll be able to see us there uh, soon, along with Twitter, Facebook, Twitch. uh, And where else are we? Twitter, Facebook, Twitch? Um, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, (laughs) Facebook. Podcast. Yeah. Facebook. I just shared on Facebook. So that's one of the spots. There you go. um, For sure. Uh, the Jaguars will not like announce, but they'll kind of roll out their new defensive coordinator uh, today and Ryan Nielsen. And he talks at 1.30. So Action Sports Shacks will be there, of course, and we'll have all the comments tomorrow on the show. But I almost am interested to see what he's going to say, like a prediction of sorts. How do you feel about Ryan Nielsen? First of all, coming over from Atlanta, a um, lot of hype. I think an identity, which is the part I like about him the most, if you look at interviews and look at his players talk about him, uh, they have an identity to them, uh, playing fast and, and trying to wreck things on that defensive side of the ball. So I'll be interested to hear him talk about that aspect. But I guess everybody's eyes and ears will be peeled on what's he going to say about a guy like Josh Allen and how important he is to being here in Jacksonville and also a part of this defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Ryan Nielsen, you know, he was definitely one of the most coveted defensive coordinators um, during the you know during the break or whatever. So the fact that the Jaguars kind of pulled the trigger right away and got him, yeah, I get it. Let's wait and see with Bill Belichick or you know Mike Vrabel. That wasn't gonna happen, right? So I think they they got the best possible guy that they could you know that they could get. And you talk about a team last year who they did lack an identity a little bit. You know, they, they did lack some of that intensity um, and just that ability to fly around, make plays, and kind of have that dog in him, if you will. And I think, you know, if you listen to a Ryan Nielsen press conference, if you see what he's all about, he will bring that to the team. And that's what
1: this team desperately needs right now. So what do you need? What are your questions about this defense, uh, about the leadership of this defense? If you're a player, Take Mm -hmm. us from the player perspective. You're coming back. There's a lot of guys that are coming back. I think there are a lot of guys that are, you know, uh, in a bit of a limbo, too. But I think they will have a lot of this defense back because they're under contract or they're already invested. They're young players. I mean, this is not going to be a remade defense, Austin. So if you're a player in that building, if you're sitting here and you flip it on at 130, what are you expecting or want to hear him say?
0: You know, I mean, I think that the biggest thing's going to be the scheme, right? Like, what is he going to run? A lot of man coverage. You're going to go zone coverage. You know, you've been kind of hearing back and forth. I mean, probably he's been man, correct? Like, he's been aggressive yes. in your face. More um,
1: man. He plays like 60. See, people. It's like, a yeah, hybrid. Yeah. You're right. Right. Yeah, but yeah. 65%, I think, if my numbers go back to where we were a couple weeks ago when he got announced. He is one of the higher man defenses in the National Football League coming off a scheme where it was a high zone. Now, it doesn't yeah. mean exclusively, which I think people get lost in, but it definitely – the percentages trend toward more man.
0: I'm sorry. It's not – what's the guy's name? I said Ryan Niel- Ryan Nielsen? No. Yeah. yeah it says, okay, Nielsen. Okay. I'm just making sure I got the name right because I heard Nelson, but it's Nielsen. Nielsen. Okay, make sure we're on the same page here. Um, when you talk about Ryan Nielsen, listen – as far as I'm concerned, I don't need to hear, hey, this is what we're gonna do today in terms of it's gonna be a three-four defense. We're gonna have this. All I wanna know is is where are these players gonna play? Right? What, what's the plan for Trayvon Walker? Keep on the outside? Are you gonna bring him inside a little more? And granted, like he's not gonna show his hand day one, right? So we're probably not gonna hear about what all these players, what they're gonna do. But I just wanna hear an overall goal and overall identity and what the plan's gonna be. Give Coach Nielsen some time here to see who he has on his staff in terms of his player, his rosters, and let him tailor the defense to that. He's not going to tailor the defense to his players, you know, two, three weeks into, the, you know, into being hired for the Jaguars. It's going to take some time. He has to see what he has. But all I want to know is what the goal is going to be and what the identity is going to be. Everything else we can find out later.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the identity is going to be a pretty easy. If you go back and listen to interviews with Falcons players and other players that he's been around the block with, um, I think the identity is, i mean, you'll see words like fiery, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a little bit in your face. And I think we're going to know that. I think he comes with that. And I actually think that's what he was missing. Do you know the identity of the football team last year on defense? I didn't know them in general on offense or defense. Yeah, and yeah. that's a big problem overall. We we've, yeah. we've had a lot of conversations about that since the uh, Jags finished up their season, but specifically defense is a place where you can get culture and identity, I think sometimes even easier than offense. Offense, what's your identity? Well, you're either physical and run the football or you're kind of like the identity is your quarterback, it feels like. Yeah. But on on or you know, you can be identif- you can have identity in the trenches too. But defense even if you think over the years in Jacksonville where things haven't always gone well, I can name the identity on defense more often from Saxonville to back to the Jack Del Rio days where you knew what they were going to do. Mm. I knew what the Jags were trying to do, by the way, the last couple of years. They wanted to stop the run. that wanted to be part of their identity. And they wanted to get the football. And also, that's not like a new identity. That's kind of like what everybody wants to do. And at times, the Jags defense did that. I think you could say their identity actually was getting the football. They were one of the best teams the last two years under Mike Caldwell at turning people over.
0: Now, are you surprised that they actually hired Ryan Nielsen because of how big he is, right? (laughs) Because we talk about Mike Rabel being a big dude. Ryan Nielsen's a big guy in his own right. You know, I think he's like 6'5 or something like that. Listen, when we talk about building an identity, building a culture – I am biased, obviously. I came through the ranks with Joe Collin, right? And in terms of trying to get the most out of you, no one was more passionate in the game of football than Joe Collin, and now he finally got a Super Bowl ring. Well, I think his second one now with the Kansas City Chiefs, Mm. if I'm not mistaken, so congrats to him. But I do like the fact that Nielsen was a former football player, made it in, I think, training camp with the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken, ended up um, getting let go, but he has been around the game for a long time, but also has coached defensive line. You know, I think there's certain positions that you coach that you're a part of where it demands intensity. Um, It it demands a little more of a culture builder persona, if you will. And defensive line is definitely one of those because it is all about the attitude. It is all about the intensity. So if he comes through that kind of system, if he comes through that kind of background, well then I'm very excited to see as a defensive coordinator what he brings to Jacksonville.
1: Well, look, at, uh, you can read some articles about Nielsen that have been done. I'll, I'll give you the most recent one on uh, jaguars.com, okay? And this is, uh, I think John Osier did. Osier basically put like six things out there mm. uh, to um, know about the defensive coordinator. And these are pretty commonplace things that you'll see in other things. Uh, that you read about Ryan Nielsen as he comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, of the six, I'm going to point out two, four, and six in John's list because to me they're all about the same. A little fiery is the head is is the quote, uh, which he even said to Falcons.com like back in uh, back last summer. Number four, attack aggressively. <laughs> Number six hardcore. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) So like, these are quotes by the way, from like when he was with the saints and other things. And to me that all fits. Right. And that's what, you know, like I like this already that before this guy gets here, I know who he is. I, I don't really know who he is because I don't, Pay a lot of attention to defensive coordinators, or at least ones we don't really know that well. He's a co-defense coordinator in New Orleans. So we're going to learn a little about who the guy is more. But I kind of know his style before he even gets here. Very Joe Cullen-esque, if you will. Sure. Or other t- coaches that we know uh, around the game. And we don't know every coach around the game. But mm-hmm. sometimes we know their style. And I really like that about him. There's one other thing John puts in here that I think is pretty interesting. And I think this might have been the reason why Mike Caldwell got fired. In part, Mm -hmm. excellent teacher, it says. Did the Jags see enough development out of their players on defense? If you go through the roster, you can say, okay, well, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker certainly developed. Hard to say they didn't, right? I mean, Mike Caldwell, i put that at the top of my resume if I'm him. Mm -hmm. They certainly did that. But Caldwell's position group, like Nielsen's defensive line, Caldwell's a linebacker. And what did we do earlier this week? This whole exercise on, I don't know what this linebacking group is yet. Yeah. Despite the heavy investment outside of Luke, and I know who he is. But these young guys, I don't. Where's the development of these young guys? And I see that as an excellent team. Like, okay, well, does that mean development? Are we going to get more development out of Tyson Campbell when he took a step back? Now, I think that was circumstantial with injuries as well. So we're going to find out here in year four for Tyson. Andre Sisco, I think he's developed. Can he take a bigger leap? With better teaching with with better development, I'm not trying to knock the other staff because I think there's some of this, but was there enough of it? Yeah, I think maybe you're seeing two different things that Nielsen can check the box development, identity. those are big on defense.
0: no, they're they're absolutely big. And development from the most important positions, once again, I'm a little biased. but as soon as the Jaguars signed Ryan Nielsen, I was excited from the standpoint of, you know, Cam Jordan is, is a pass rusher who's very respected in the NFL, yes. has been doing it for a long time. Go back and look at the comments of what Cam Jordan said when Ryan Nielsen was in um, New Orleans and how crucial he was to his development as a pass rusher. And then another guy who spoke very highly of Ryan Nielsen. Keep in mind, I mean, we can go to the tape, we can see what other, you know, NFL guys want to say about what kind of defense he runs. I always go to the players. I always go see, what do the players say about a former guy? And Trey Hendrickson, another guy who yeah. came in um, kind of you know, right away, um, had a great career, still doing this dang thing. He's in Cincinnati still?
1: Yeah, so he got the big deal uh, from New Orleans, went to Cincinnati, Cincinnati. and obviously yeah. has performed very yeah. well.
0: Yeah, and he also swears by, in terms of development at the edge rusher position, um, there's no one better than Ryan Nielsen. So you have two high-caliber guys. One, I mean, probably for sure Hall of Famer and Cam Jordan – and another, Andrew Hendrickson, are speaking his praises, saying that they were sad to see him go when he left. That's all you need to know, especially from when we have Josh Allen, you have Trayvon Walker. Of course, you can add some more pieces to that because it's the, it's the pass rushing rotation, man. You got to have as many as possible. I like the fact that I think we're gonna get our best edge rushers out of Ryan Nielsen as well
1: well and and here's the thing what would, would you say is the was the weakest point of the Jaguars this year as you look at it in totality there were times where they were really good in a lot of areas there were times where they weren't what would you say is the weakest? part of the Jaguars' defense as you look at it in 2023?
0: Well, I mean, the weakest part is the interior. Well, what we saw last year was the interior of yeah. the defense. Okay, I
1: just want to yeah. make sure we're on the same page. Sure. Well, you just said a lot of different things there. You're talking about Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Hendrickson. I know some of those guys are edge guys and pass rush guys, but you're also talking about defensive linemen. If there's one area of improvement that Doug Peterson really wants to see, and by the way, they're already – Pot committed here because of the investment they have and the dollars and the contracts they have. They need to get more out of potentially Foley Fadakasi if he sticks around. Definitely Devon Hamilton coming off that weird situation last year and more consistency out of a guy like Roy Robertson Harris. We've seen flashes, but he's making 10 mil a year. We need more out of those guys. Those guys are where it's at, and I think if he can get better play out of those guys alone Mm – I think you're going to continue to see development out of a guy like Trayvon Walker, and you've already got a stud in Josh Allen. That could go a long way.
0: I've been out of the game for a while. Did we ever find out what happened to Devon Hamilton? Like, Is this like a thing going forward? Is he completely healthy he's now? Do we, now? He's good now. He's good now? Yeah, I mean, basically okay. it, was an, it was an infection. Staff infection?
1: Uh, I don't want to say. St- okay. It was an infection.
0: That was, the, that was my prediction when, when it first yeah. got announced. Okay, um,
1: and, and so he, according to uh, everything he told us, yeah. Uh, is is good and in the clear and it doesn't seem like things come back the bottom line is though he was wrestling with a lot of things upstairs mentally when it comes to something that i mean yeah. that's something that he could have died from that's very so scary. it was a serious thing and then he missed a ton of time i mean he was playing awesome it looked like if you take Ridley, who was doing so well in camp, mm-hmm. the other guy that everybody was noticing and talking about and, like, can't wait to see him on the field on Sundays might have been Devon Hamilton. Like, he might have been second on your list. He looked that strong and looked that good. And then we go to Detroit, and he gets this situation, and it really knocks him out for most of the year. And and let's be honest, too. When he did come back, he really didn't play that well. Like, if Correct. you look at some of their poor running games, it was with him back in the lineup. But I... I just think that was a lost year. I think it was a lost year for him and and kind of for Tyson Campbell and a little bit for Zay Jones too. So we'll see if these guys can rebound to, to that point.
0: No, I agree. Because, I mean, the 2022 campaign for Devon Hamilton, there was a lot of hype around him that he was going to do something special in 2023, and he was on his way to doing that, like you said. And all of a sudden, you know, for no rhyme or reason, he was out and they were keeping it kind of hush-hush. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we can get a 100% Devon Hamilton going forward because, yeah, he didn't look like himself.
1: Um, after that Lions game this year. All right, so I've got another uh, thought on this whole thing. And I want your – what do you think about it? Mike Caldwell did a lot of things that were pretty good here. I could could make the case, if I'm in Mike Caldwell's camp, that my defense helped save your season at times, last year and this past year. So two years ago and this year. Mm. While your offense struggled, our defense – Helped out. In the biggest game, or one of the biggest games in Jags history against the Tennessee Titans, when you guys couldn't score offensively, our defense won the football game with a scoop and score. Hmm. Early this year, when you were supposed to be scoring 30 points a game and you hand the reins over to Press Taylor and you guys are struggling out of the gates, the defense, really for the first five, six, seven, eight games, maybe even nine, ten games overall, with a couple of hiccups in there, kept you in it and sometimes won it. While your offense had to come around and disappointed. Did Mike Caldwell do that bad a job? I mean, should the Jags have moved on? Should the Jags should we be excited in Jacksonville that the Jags have moved on and are starting something different on the defensive side of the ball?
0: Yeah, I think you absolutely have to. You know, like, yes, there was some games that the Jaguars defense kept them in it. There's some games where the Jaguars defense probably won the game for them. There's also some games where the Jaguars defense lost. Set aside the last game of the season. With Derrick Henry, yeah, and this is a, this is definitely a performance based business, and you're only as good as your last game. What you saw from that Jaguars defense in that last game, it cost Mike Caldwell's job. Now is he a great coach? He very well could be. Do the players take the blame? They very well might as well. But at the end of the day, I mean, look at Steve Wilks.
1: We'll get to that.
0: Okay, we'll get to yeah. that later. But um, yeah. Do you think he? I mean, <laughs> he got so hey, if he's getting <laughs> let go. Then, yeah, I'm not concerned with uh, – and with all due respect to my call, but then I'm not concerned with my call getting let go.
1: Why – do you have any reason why it happened in the last six games for the Jags? Because what I just told you, if you take uh, – the, the first half of last year is a weird one. It's, they're 3-7. and seven. There's a lot of different reasons why they're 3-7. and seven. They have a pitiful game against the Detroit Lions, but ever since that – they, they really played well on defense, and they did get the football. last two years, you're talking a turnover business, and the Jags in the turnover category were excellent the last two seasons under Mike Caldwell. That is a very good thing, and uh, a feather in the cap of the head coach. I'm sorry, of the defense coordinator. So – then the first 11 games are 8-3. and three. And again, we're talking about a defense like, wow, we didn't expect this defense to kind of carry the team or be that. We thought they'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Jags would play from ahead. When you're playing from ahead, you got a chance to eat a little bit. We thought that's what they do. No, they were keeping the team in the game, allowing them to win and sometimes winning it on their own. I mean, remember the Chiefs game, they held Kansas City to 17 points. Mm-hmm. 17 points. Lamar Jackson, who nobody could stop in that stretch, they actually held him in check. That team scored 23 points. They had put their offense in a position to win the game. So there are moments like that. But then, down the stretch, Austin, as you're watching this game, and I know you're not on the show at that time, but it's like they had no answers for Cincinnati. It is very seldom that you can go through a football game that I've covered and a coordinator doesn't have answers. Detroit last year, they didn't force a punt. Cincinnati, if we had played six more overtimes, I don't think they would have stopped them. They could not stop what was going on. They could not stop weeks later a pretty similar game plan in Tampa. And then Derrick Henry goes off for his best game of the year in the most important game for your defense, and they looked lost on the defensive side of the ball at times, uh, stopping the run.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's go back to the Titans game, and then we'll go from there. Um, what bothered me more than anything about the Titans game that it wasn't necessarily a scheme problem. It wasn't necessarily that they got out coached in terms of, philosophy you knew what tennessee was going to do they're going to try to shove the ball down your throats like tennessee does every single time they play the jacksonville jaguars and guess what the jaguars defense knew it was coming and they couldn't stop it so when you know what's going to happen when you know it's going to be a derrick henry type of game and you can't stop it no matter if you load the box you stack the box whatever you blitz and you still can't stop it that comes down to attitude and that comes down to want to if you go back and watch a lot of those Derrick Henry runs, or my um, bet, who, who's was the backup running back that the the receiver one, Tajay Spears. Thank you very much, Tajay Spears. Yeah. You watch some of his plays. Well, you watched one touchdown play, yeah. and it
1: was r- gross.
0: Guys didn't want to tackle. Guys taking bad angles. Guys not in the right spots. Guys were not prepared um, in that game, and that was kind of the that was kind of the the whole thing that you saw after that Bengals game, where it was just like. To me, it felt like the defense that they arrived, right? Because we did see some moments of brilliance in that defense, right? We did see some good things. And to me, it almost appeared that they got a little too complacent. They're like, hey, guys, we got this now. We're in Pittsburgh, terrible towels, wave them around. We're all good, man. You know, we're like the Jaguars defense of 2017. Not even close, right? So once that happened and you start getting complacent, well, then maybe you're not working as hard. Maybe you got it all figured out and things like that. That's where coaches got to come in and hold players accountable. That's where captains, that's where leaders got to come in and hold players accountable. I just didn't see that starting with that Bengals game.
1: Yeah, I want to ask you, let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, I've got a question about one moment last year that was like, and I almost wonder if something like this or there was more of it in the building that kind of rubs Peterson the wrong way and kind of lends to uh, a guy like Caldwell being let go outside of performance. I think there's reason to have let him go over those last six weeks for the reasons we just said. Also, Wilkes is an interesting story here because this sums up the separation between whose fault is it, players or the coach? And I know fans want to put the blame on. But when players start putting the blame on the coach, too, that gets dangerous. We'll talk about it when we come back to the Bretton-Austin show here on a Thursday as the uh, new Jaguars defensive coordinator talks to the media. A little later today, of course, we will have it. That'll be right inside that building, the Miller Electric Center, where they've got to get some things figured out this offseason. It's an important offseason to get back on track, be a contender every year, fight for that division every year. You can't take a step backwards in Jacksonville in 2024. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. Brenton Austin show on a Thursday talking about the uh, new defensive coordinator, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ryan Nielsen. He'll be introduced today. And uh, some of the questions that you would like to get answered, they got to be surrounding a guy like Josh Allen. And uh, I'd love to know his evaluation of his linebackers. We've done that this week and where they sit and uh, what does he need uh, to help him on defense? I think a lot of questions will be about that man-to-man stuff. Can Tyson Campbell play that? Uh, Is Darius Williams going to stick around? Is it time to move on from Rayshon Jenkins? He's not going to be the GM and make those calls. But these are the conversations that need to be taking place inside the building because I would think his input of what they want to do on that side of the ball would reign supreme. And that's also why I I have this sneaky suspicion, and I don't know this, but I have this sneaky suspicion in the back of my mind, I feel like the investment in a linebacker here in Jacksonville over the last couple years is in part because of Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator. If you think about where he came, first of all, he's a linebacker by trade. If you think about where he came from, especially Tampa when they won the Super Bowl, Mm. in that Todd Bowles system, they were awesome at the linebacker spot. If you start to look back at Super Bowl champs most recently and probably long term, I haven't gone that far back, you'll really start to find good linebacker play is a common theme with championship teams or Super Bowl teams or deep playoff teams. Think about the teams that played this year alone in the Final Four. The Ravens, awesome at linebacker. The Chiefs, underratedly good at linebacker. The San Francisco 49ers, awesome at linebacker. The Detroit Lions, probably the worst of the bunch Mm -hmm. at linebacker, but everybody is talking about their rookie that they got and how he contributed. He was a first-round product, so – Not bad, and I think Anzalone's now been in the league forever. So, I mean, I think they're adequate. They're certainly not like those three teams, but linebacking play seems to be critical, and and Tampa won the Super Bowl. I think you could make the case when they won the Super Bowl, as good as Brady was in their offense, that the linebacking group paved the way in that postseason for them to win.
0: No, I'll agree with that. I mean, their defensive line is pretty dang good, too. It was. It all goes hand in hand, but, um, yeah, I'll come with you on that.
1: So, my point is, I think part of the reason a guy like Caldwell gets let go is he had to have influence on picking a guy like Devin Lloyd. I mean, that's part of the conversations. Like, you ask your position coach, you ask your scouts, you ask your defensive coordinator, you ask your GM. Like, you guys are all in this together. I hope you are, at least. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's what Nielsen said about Tre Hendrickson. I mean, he pounded the table for him, and they got him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, generally, if you're a defensive coordinator, sometimes even if you're, like, a really respected position coach – uh, and you pound the table for somebody like the coaches are going to listen, or the the GM will listen to you. Now, sometimes with Jack Del Rio, <laughs> didn't know you're getting Blaine Gabbert. Uh, a little miscommunication there with you know Jack Del Rio and Gene Smith. Sometimes that can happen too, right? But no, usually when you're talking about your position group, right, the ones that, that, that you played or you coached for a long time, you definitely have a lot more say of who you get.
1: Well, it doesn't ma- It doesn't mean that you're going to get the guy. But every position group puts it for a guy like Todd Walsh went up to Maryland and worked out Jan, Nik, and Gakwe, and they end up getting him in the third round. I'll give you another one. Uh, I think Doug Marone went to Alabama, worked out Cam Robinson, and they end up drafting Cam in the second round. Like, there's influence there by those guys. That's the way it should be. I mean, these guys are the ones coaching him. But my point on the Caldwell front, especially, is if he went to the table for him and two years later. I still don't know what he is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then you either made a bad choice investing in him or you did a bad job of developing him. Sure. And so that can be on the coaching staff and the defense coordinator and other things. And I have this suspicion that there's some of those kind of feelings behind closed doors that you can play the blame game eventually and add to it the last six weeks, add to it some other things. And this is one that I think stays with people, maybe on the outside and I wonder on the inside. Remember, um, what game was it? What game was loud inside the stadium and the defense didn't play well? Was that Cincinnati? Might have been Cincinnati game? Yeah. And he, in the news conference or that next day, or I would have oh, been yeah, yeah, later yeah. in the week. Monday Night Football. It was Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, we were having some communication problems. Why are we having communication problems? Because it was loud. Yeah. You're at home. Whoa, like, every stadium at home <laughs> is loud on defense. Yeah. No. Like, th- no, this was like a thing, and a thing even weeks later they would still be talking about. It's not like they mentioned it once, like, we move and then get away from it. No, he mentioned it and never got away from it. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute. I've never heard that.
0: Did Brent just say we move? Oh, Brent just said we move, okay, man. He's making sure. Brent, Brad, Brent Martineau, sleeper agent for the Jacksonville Jaguars, confirmed.
1: No, I mean, that's that's why
0: I was so critical of, of Luke Lucan a little bit yesterday was the fact of I remember those conversations. And usually when you talk about communication, not getting the calls, not getting lined up right, that falls directly on the mic.
1: Yeah. And please don't say that in front of a microphone no, that sure. that's why we had miscommunication problems. That's a problem. Like, this became a thing in Jacksonville where, like, yeah, we got to tell people to get a little closer in the huddle.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's not a good look at all.
1: I mean, you know, nine out of ten of these guys played in front of a hundred thousand people in college. This is nothing.
0: No, it's see C- I didn't even really buy into that at all, honestly. Because I, I
1: get it. It's just a bad look. I No, it's a I, horrible look. I understand look. not buying into it. Yeah, I think it was yeah. like a BS thing. I think it was an
0: excuse that shouldn't have been made. But
1: it should never be said in front of a mic. It sounded awful. Yeah. It was bad. It was something that got repeated down the road after poor play. Mm-hmm. It cannot be an excuse for communication two years into your system with all the same players basically coming back. Yeah. Like, that to me was a bad moment for Mike Caldwell on top of a bunch of others in the last six weeks.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, if you want to pin the linebackers that you got um, via the draft on Mike Caldwell, I get that. But at the same time, you can't elude the GM because he makes the final decision. Oh, you know, yeah. I've oh, told no. this, He's
1: got to have the stamp, yeah.
0: I've, I've told this story many times where Joe Cullen banged on the table for J.J. Watt time and time again.
1: Didn't win that one, did
0: he? Didn't win that one. And one would wonder what it would look like if J.J. Watt actually did come to the Jaguars. But I, I know, like, I mean, you know, sometimes, like, coaches are good at hiding. Like, hey, you know, because obviously if you're a defensive lineman, you're worried about your position. Right. You're worried about who they're gonna draft. You're worried about if they bring somebody in to replace you. Joe Cullen made no ands, ifs, buts about it. He made it super obvious that we want I want JJ Watt. Now, obviously the higher ups didn't agree. Gene Smith didn't agree, and they get Blaine Gabber. And that's just the way that it is. So I get pinning, you know, the linebacking core that was drafted on Caldwell, but someone's gotta say, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, okay, I I, I like what you're saying here. And someone's job is to evaluate talent more than anybody else. That's a general manager. So I get what you're saying in terms of do you tie Lloyd, do you tie Chamuma to Caldwell? Sure you can, but he didn't have the final say.
1: Something else uh, that I have a thought about a lot, and this goes into the Steve Wilkes conversation probably, where does the blame fall? Like I, I did this a lot this past season, I felt like, with the fan base. Everybody wants to blame the GM. Everybody wants to blame the coaching staff. And I'm not absolving them from blame. But at some point, when I look at a two-minute video of touchdowns that should have been caught, of balls going through hands that should have been caught, of plays that should have been made, I don't know why we're so willing to say that oh, was the play. It wasn't the player's fault. Uh, wasn't the player's fault. I mean, okay. those guys make plays. Sure, They're supposed to make plays. Like these are root, ru- not routine or at some play. like Calvin Ridley had a bunch of plays that he could have made. Like one receivers do make right. And he didn't in critical times. And it turned out that a lot of the Jags, big mistakes were in critical times this year. Bad luck. I don't know. Coincidence. I don't know. And again, Plenty of blame to go around on the coaches, too. Yeah, they're the guys that push the right buttons. We said that as well. Doug did a great job for a lot of times of pushing right buttons. He couldn't find the button, man. He could not find the right button down the last six weeks of the season. Mike Caldwell couldn't. Other people couldn't. But this was a team that was 8-3 and three at one time and won in five different stadiums. Was that just the players doing a good job in, in overcoming bad coaching? Was that good coaching? Like, I don't. Where does that fall for you? Because we're seeing it in San Francisco right now where a guy like Bosa comes out of that game and puts a lot of blame on the D.C. And Shanahan, the offensive guy, obviously putting a lot of blame on the D.C. that helped them get to the Super Bowl. Yeah,
0: I mean, to me this is simple. You know, because this is an everyday life. Whether you're at a 9-to-5 job, whether you're playing a sport, whether you're a professional football player, if you go out on that field and you don't do something right, you make a mistake, they're going to defer to your superior. That's in any kind of job, right? Because it's the superior's job to get you prepared for your day at work, for the big game. If you don't do your job, yes, you get in trouble, you get called out, but guess what? Your boss gets called out as well, and your boss has to go through like a review, a performance review, and your boss will take some of the brunt of that as well. So if you're asking me, how much falls on the players, how much falls on the coaches, I mean, it goes hand in hand. But at the end of the day, if I see penalties, if I see a player not catching a ball, if I see other things, yeah, I'm pointing to the coaches because that's the coach's responsibility. You need to get your players ready to play. And if you want to go back to that 49ers game, there were
1: some plays, there were some instances where that team was not ready to play. Is this a lot – is that the reality of it or is it also because you're stuck? You're stuck with, in business, employees. You can't fire five of them. Where's the problem? The problem lies at the top. It's an easy way to get out. And by the way, you usually save the most money at the guy at the top, too, uh, okay. <laughs> in the business world. Is it also because you're stuck in the NFL or in sports because guys guy's under contract. The coach is easy to get out of. He's a $2.5 million guy or $2 million guy. The contract, yeah. you're not going to get out of. But, but,
0: Who, who's stuck, though? I see players get benched all the time. I see players get cut all the time. I see players get traded all the time. Who's stuck?
1: Well, you are stuck sometimes. With You're not trading a guy if he didn't perform well. You're not trading Devin Lloyd right away and admitting mistake. Like, nobody does that.
0: But that's on you, though, because you paid him the money. You know, once again, if a boss brings you in, offers you, you know, say 10%, like, hey, we like what you're doing here at this job. You're doing a great job. You're a leader. We like what you're doing. Here's a bonus. Here's a bonus, and we're going to actually increase your salary. And then say you go out there you mess up. You make the company look bad. Not your, I mean, yeah, it's your fault for sure, but guess what? Your boss looks pretty bad, too, for giving you that bonus, for giving you that, that salary increase. It's the same anywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a tree there of, of where it goes. Um, it's interesting because I still think uh, – <laughs> I still think it's a player, but but we're okay with saying it's a players' league. Like it's a players' league. Players make plays. Players make plays, and then uh, boom. The easy thing is to be like, well, the the coach didn't do it.
0: Well, we say it's a. Let me clarify that though. I say it's a players' league because the players are taking all the risk, putting their bodies on the line. That's why I think it's a players' league. The coach, the coaches, yes, they push the buttons, but they're they're accepting the risks of health. That's why I say it's a player's league. Now, people may not agree with me. People want to just say, yeah, the players make the players. It's all the players. Whatever the case. I say it's a player's league because they put their bodies on the line. The coaches don't. How about in your world of fighting? Okay.
1: It's an individual world. Mm-hmm. More.
0: Well, yeah. There's still a team, though, around me. But, yeah.
1: If you take the highest levels of UFC, when a guy loses, uh, McGregor loses, or somebody loses, or shouldn't win, or should win, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Favorite, whatever. Is it? Is it put on coach? It's put on preparation. It's
0: put on preparation. I would say. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and once again, preparation can come can come down to coaches, and but individual. it comes down to individual as well. Yeah. 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 But I think it's preparation. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't. I don't know. I, I. I think so many. You know what else about it that drives me nuts in the sport of football is it's such an accountable business. The players are very accountable. I mean, the quarterback goes out there and takes blame for everybody, right? Yeah. You kind of take blame for yourself publicly, but also. No business, very few businesses sit here and watch the tape on a Monday and be like, man, I messed that up, I messed that up, I messed that up. <laughs>
0: no, for, for don't sure. Do that. But, yeah, yeah. but
1: in the, your business, they do that. Like mm-hmm. in the NFL, they do that. So were, the, were San Francisco correct in getting rid of a guy like Wilkes?
0: So here's my issue with the business. Here's my issue with how things transpired and whether it's the player's fault or the coach's fault. Steve Wilkes gets fired, right? You lose a Super Bowl, you need somebody to blame. Okay. Do you blame Steve Wilkes? Was it Steve Wilkes' fault that Trent Williams had some uncharacteristic penalties that cost him on, on, on a drive? No. Was it Steve Wilkes' fault that a punt guy on punt return his the ball hits his calf because nobody was yelling Peter loud enough? Is that Steve Wilkes' fault? No. Steve Wilkes, is it his fault that Christian McCaffrey fumbled on like the twenty nine yard line in Kansas City? No. Is it his fault that the team didn't really know the overtime rules? You're not the head coach. I don't think it's his fault. So when we start breaking all these things down, and I look at what the 49ers are able to accomplish this year, top eight defense in terms of team defense, pretty dang good. Made Patrick Mahomes look pedestrian the entire first half. Yeah, the second half, Mahomes kind of found a rhythm a little bit. Andy Reid, great coach, obviously. Teams are going to score points. But at the end of the day, can you just sit here and solely say, oh, yeah, Steve Wilkes costing the game? Absolutely not. I think it's stupid. But this is the world that we live in if you're Kyle Shanahan. And listen, I get you don't like Kyle Shanahan. I respect him in terms of his knowledge, his X's and O's. I think this move right here, firing Steve Wilkes, wasn't the right move. Because I get it. You you want a scapegoat, right? Did did he take responsibility? Did he say, hey, I got to do a better job of getting my guys ready? I didn't really hear that. Yeah, I didn't listen to the whole thing. So I don't know. So maybe he did. Hopefully he did. Hopefully he did. But to sit here and point and say, yeah, Steve Wilkes is the reason why we lost the Super Bowl. Get ready. Next year, new defensive coordinator will be that much better. It's not how it works. Yeah. So, yeah, th- that rubs me the wrong way.
1: Yeah, we are. Listen, we're a very surface-oriented world, mm-hmm. right? And so, at the headline, you can, you can make the case, Wilkes – What some of the things that went wrong when that game started to go a little sideways late in the game, or the fact that I think they ended up 25th in rushing this year when they were second and first the last two years. Mm -hmm. So you can find your way if you want, but I think a lot of the things that you just said are right on. You held them to 19 points in regulation. Go win the damn game if you're an offensive guy, Yeah. right? I mean, if you're an offensive guy, Shanahan, go win the game. Mm -hmm. That's on you. 19 points. Oh, by the way, if you want to fire somebody, fire the special teams coordinator.
0: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> not Lock, that not that block he can, extra points not that he can physically go move the guy that no, got in the way of the he,
0: punt but it comes down to getting make sure the guys are ready to
1: play so yeah the, the wilks one is an interesting one yeah uh somebody needed to it's just wild to see go to the super bowl and get fired i, I mean, feel like, like you said i mean that that means you, nobody's untouchable man well and here's the wild thing and, and once again it,
0: it's more than one play right say say they actually block on on the the extra point Say jake moody kicks the, the field goal or the extra point They go up by four. They end up winning the game. It's just in in hypotheticals.
1: If they win, is Steve Wilkes getting fired? I doubt it, but we said the same thing here in Jacksonville. If they beat Tennessee and go to the playoffs, is Mike Caldwell getting fired?
0: See, I think that one's a little different, though, Brent, because, I mean, you've to take a look at the season as a whole. Now, I I can sit here and say Steve Wilkes in terms of the playoffs, a lot of yards given up on that defense, right? But in totality, this was a top eight defense the entire year. Now, I get it. It wasn't a top five stop in the run every single play. I get that. It was different this year. But, man, top eight defense, I think a lot of teams right now in the
1: NFL would take that. Yeah. Hamby, jump in. Sorry, man, cut you off. What you got?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I was. you talked about how wild it is that he gets fired after they go to the Super Bowl. I feel like there should almost be a stipulation where if your team goes
1: to the Super Bowl, it's just way too hard to go to the Super Bowl in the NFL. Mm. There should almost be an unwritten yeah. stipulation. If you go to the Super Bowl, your job is safe. <laughs> got to stay the same. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> that's a good – I mean, I don't hate that, by the way. On another level, uh, we kind of got a little bit more insight on the firing this morning. Shanahan, I believe, was on a, uh, a radio show or something, where he pretty much made it point blank. This was not the higher-ups. This was not John Lynch. That he, this was his call, and the quote was pretty much, he just wasn't the right fit, mm. oh, meaning there was a rift between – Shanahan and Wilkes, just the two of them. Which, by the way, happens. I I will say this about the Wilkes thing. I think it takes some kahunas now for a guy that goes to the Super Bowl in year one and to pull the plug on that. I I think it actually took some of that for the Jags to not just stand pat and make a move on Mike Caldwell. I've said countless times since the firing of Mike Caldwell. You could see it and feel it at moments over the last two years, even with a lot of good stuff, that there was some – not dissension. I don't think it was dissension. But there was some frustration at times from Doug about the defense. Hmm. The Detroit game comes to mind. The Cincinnati game comes to mind. You know, you could sense more frustration down the stretch from Doug about special teams and the kicker. Like, sometimes that stuff comes through, especially when you're around a team as much as we are with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, like, it didn't surprise me. I think you might be right. Like, I don't know if you're right, though. If they had made the playoffs, would they have still fired him? Does that change if you win a game in the playoffs? Does that change if you lose in week two to Buffalo or something like that? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it becomes hard, and I think it becomes a little bit more like Hamby saying, I mean, don't you get the free pass to next year if you get this far? Like, mm-hmm. you passed go, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> collect your 200 or whatever it is. <laughs> so why, why isn't it? But I do think it takes some guts to make the call after having success. And he also has some guys on the street, like a Brandon Staley or somebody else that that have been part of that family before, if you will. Uh, I think it's a tough deal for Wilkes. And it's a really tough deal for him because there are really no jobs open. True. But now you're fired at the end of the Super Bowl, where guys usually get hired at the end of the Super Bowl. And you get fired and you get nothing. Now, how bad do you feel for him? His paycheck will be just fine, okay, (laughs) folks? But – the bottom line is that part of it from a coaching football, I guess my guess is he'll go be some, like, senior analyst or something like that for somebody. I
0: mean, he'll be an analyst, some sort of, like, liaison, consultant. right? To, yeah, consultant teams always have. I mean, <laughs> I think I think the Jaguars had, what, 25 of those uh, a couple years ago? Yeah, so, so
1: I asked. I, was, I keep referencing Jay Gruden. We had a lot of fun conversation last week at the Super Bowl party sure. with Jay Gruden. And, you know, he's still in Jacks. He's not coaching anywhere. But two years ago, he was a Rams consultant. I had no idea. That was the year they won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. 22? Did they uh, win the Super Bowl two years ago? The Rams? I think it was right?
0: longer than that, wasn't it, Brent? I don't know. Let me check it out quick.
1: No, I think they did. Last okay. year, this past year. No, the, the well, 21 no. 21 season but oh, 2022. 21 season. Because the yeah. Chiefs are back-to-back. My bad. Right, yeah. My, yeah. bad. My bad. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it just happened, Brent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we cover the NFL every day. Yeah, so it's the Chiefs, Chiefs, Rams. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're going backwards. Um, so it wasn't the Super Bowl one. But he's a consultant. I was like, so what do you do as a consultant? Do you have to go out there? He's like, they called me like three times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did he say how much you got he got as a consultant? Oh, I can only imagine that. That. I, was like, <laughs> I had to get me some of that. Consultant. I had to get me a consulting gig. <laughs>
1: they called three times. Yeah. That's I, thought. I thought it was just I so i think like a,
0: like, a, like a, maybe like a culture consultant.
1: <laughs> hey, I want to stay on something. I think um, we had a comment. It's like, Brent hates Devin Lloyd, mm. is the comment. Mm. And, or, or it seems like he doesn't like Devin Lloyd. And if you look at the metrics, I'm assuming you're pro football focused stuff. Okay, here we go. Devin Lloyd measured out well. Yeah. Let me be crystal clear here. This is not Brent doesn't like Devin Lloyd. Brent has actually bought into a lot of the Devin Lloyd stuff. But as I continue to talk about myself in the third person, <laughs> Brent also has no idea how good Devin Lloyd is right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's fact. I cannot sit here and tell you, which we have opinions a lot about this football team and what we see, and I have no idea, going into year three, what Devin Lloyd is as a football player for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is he trending up? I'll give you an example. Before the year, yeah, thought Tyson Campbell and Andre Sisco were trending up. Sure, I thought they might earn a contract coming out of year three if they played well. Now, that didn't happen. We can be right and wrong. It happens for different reasons. But I'm sitting here telling you going into 2024 with Ryan Nielsen coming in as a defensive coordinator. I'm waiting and seeing his his reaction and his words and what he does and says about Devin Lloyd, how they're going to use him, how they feel about him, the confidence they have in him. Because I've seen good and I've seen not so good from this young linebacker here in Jacksonville. I love the kid, man. He's a a great dude. I I really think his ceiling is high. But... After two years of play, I don't know how internally the building views him. Well, let me
0: ask you this. And this isn't more necessarily how the building views him. I want to know how you view this player. With Devin Lloyd, first of all, I get what you're saying, right? Because it's been good, but it's also been bad as well. And for what you sacrifice to get Devin Lloyd, you need him to be an all-game contributor. You know, you need him to be, like, hopefully in a Pro Bowl conversation one day, and we're not even close to that right now. How do you feel, then, what we've seen so far from Tyson Campbell? Because we've seen brilliance, and then we've seen, what was that? And keep in mind, Campbell was brought in where he was drafted and everything to shut down, the, like, the top receiver. How do you feel about him?
1: I still have confidence in him. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I'm in the minor, I think people are off him a little bit. I think people are really curious to say, can he be a very good corner in the league? I never said that he was elite. There were some that wanted to put him in elite category. I think he was on the edge of elite the way he was trending. What I really liked about him last year specifically, Austin, is that he had an issue in year two where he was not getting his head turned around on balls. He was not able to make that play, that one-on-one play. And as the season went along last year, you could see it. He did a very – this was two years ago. He did a very good job of getting better at that. It was like a – we had, we had Rasheen Mathis on the show every week. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, man, can you learn how to do that? It's like, yeah, you got to rep it. you got to have blah, – blah, blah. you can learn how to do it. It's not easy, but you can learn it. And it's like, okay, well, he did. Mm-hmm. And he's already got a lot of great tools. I mean, this is a guy that Dan Arnold said. He's the best tackling corner he's seen. Sure. And Arnold's been around the league a while. So, like, I like a lot of the traits of Campbell. And I am not going to be hypocritical and jump off that train just in one year where he was in and out of the lineup. You know this better than me. Mm -hmm. There are some guys that can handle being in and out of the lineup better than others. I think Tyson's a guy that did not handle it well. Whether he rushed back too soon, he had the hamstring, which is a pain in the ass. Once you have that injury, you don't know when to come back. You never come back at the right time. And you're usually out again. Like, that's the way that deal works. I think he came back. He rushed. He wasn't ready. He looked bad. He goes out and re-injures against Cincinnati. He comes back a little bit later, probably wasn't ready, and it takes him a couple more games to get used to it. Does that mean he's a bad football player? I don't think so. I think he's a young football player that's trying to figure out how to come back from injury.
0: No, I hear you. And obviously injury affected him big time. But I just remember after the first season, we're talking about how this guy is going to be a pillar. Like he's going to be a cornerstone. I would say that. Right? That's that's now muddy. It's a little muddy. And I guess I'm asking, next year, are you comfortable with him of following the top receiver in the NFL? Can you put him on the top receiver? Once again, fully healthy. Keep in mind, a little caveat there. And are you comfortable with that? Or do we not know yet? Do we still have to see some more?
1: The hesitation to me a little bit probably says too much, but here's the deal. I'm okay with him. I'm okay, okay with him being on the top guy, and the reason why I hedge a little bit is because I'm just going to try to be as honest as I can, and the, one of the reasons I'm okay is because you have to be. You've invested that second round pick. You've believed in him. You've homegrown him. This is about developing him to the next. He has to take a bigger step this year coming off injury, and you have to, that development has to work. He has to look more like he did two years ago and trending that way. But I also am not going to overset expectations to say he's Jalen Ramsey's replacement. No, he's not that guy, okay? But that does, that's okay. We saw Darius Williams play a lot of good football, and he's not that guy. So, yeah, I am not giving up on Tyson Campbell. I'm okay with him on the number one guy. He's got a lot to prove this year. And when guys have a lot to prove, I kind of like it. I'm still buying Tyson Campbell, probably more than the fan base is. And I'm good okay. uh, at that spot with him. Now, there's going to be a lot of questions about him. Can he play in this scheme? Ryan Nielsen's comments on that today will be somewhat interesting. And my guess is he's going to pump him up and be like, of course he can play in that Well, scheme. you have you, What
0: are you going to say? Ugh. I don't know. We might be in trouble. You're not going to say that. Well, if they
1: don't feel it, though, couldn't he be a trade block candidate? Because there's a lot of teams I think that would buy into Tyson Campbell. No,
0: without a doubt. No, I think Tyson Campbell is going to be here to stay. I think, once again, I think Nielsen takes a look at Tyson Campbell, sees the
1: sees the good, sees the great, and says, I can find a spot for this guy. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let's take a break. 11 o'clock hour around the corner. So much to get to still here on this Thursday show. And uh, sports has gone a little crazy on the court and in other spots. We'll get to that. And uh, meanwhile, how about Jot and Z last night for the UNF Ospreys? Comes off the bench to score 22. Mm. Chaz Lanier has 29. And the Ospreys get back on track. They win 93-79. to We'll be back on the Bretton Austin Show.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.